This is the Millionaire Real Estate Podcast, where you'll learn the strategies and tactics you need to become a millionaire agent. Learn from top agents, brokers, team leaders, and experts in the industry who can help you on the path to success. And now, here's today's episode. All right. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Millionaire Live. And today I have a longtime friend. I've known Scott Wozniak for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. He is now the CEO of Swaz Consulting. He's a speaker. He's an author. He's a consultant. He talks a lot about strategy, leadership, customer experience, and operational excellence. He's just launched a new podcast. So if you go to Scott Wozniak, com slash podcast. You can learn more about his new podcast. But today our title is five ways to change your mindset to radically upgrade your personal engine and five systems to implement so your client gets the best customer experience. So Scott, welcome. Thanks. It is fun. Uh, fun to talk with you again. I know we get to talk every now and then anyway, but Man, this is some of my favorite stuff to talk about as well. So hanging with a friend, talking about the things I'm passionate about, uh, this is going to be great. Well, let's dive in. Let's talk about five ways to change your mindset. Give us some practical tips that we can kind of upgrade our personal engine. Yeah. And man, I got to tell you, this is a big part of my life story and passion because for the longest time, my approach was, man, I hope growth happens to me. Right. Um, I would I would show up and wait for life to happen. Uh, I would have new jobs or something would change in my world. And I'd be like, well, I guess I got to look at how I'm growing. But but I was um, I was responding, reacting uh, passive. And, and there came a shift when I started realizing I had a couple of mentors, read a couple of books, um, had a real pivotal weekend. I remember vividly I was actually um, mowing the lawn and it came to me. I said, man, I am. Uh, I'm just sitting on hoping that something I grow. There's got to be a way that you can drive this on purpose. It can't be just that I, I mean, uh, so I happen to be a Christian and some of the classic Christian lingo is like, don't pray for patience. Cause if you do, then God's going to throw a whole bunch of junk at you and you're going to have a terrible time and like, be careful. And I thought, okay, well, the, the, the kind of message underneath all of that is like, well, the way to grow patience is that you just wait for bad stuff to happen to you and hope you get better at responding to it. And I was thinking that has got to be a better plan than just waiting for trouble and hoping I learn. So this journey of figuring it out, what does it look like? How do you grow and develop on purpose? And there's been, there's been five things that just kind of keep coming to the top as a super critical piece here. Um, the first is self-awareness. I mean, you, you can't develop what you don't know, right? Uh, the blind spots are what kind of set the boundaries of your growth. And so the big shift again, is like, well, I guess I hope I'm aware. Well, no, no, there's actually skills involved. And by the way, it's not what I learned um, is not going up to the mountain top and just sitting with a journal and spending hours and hours. journaling is one piece that's helpful. But what journaling does is help you get really clear on what you're feeling. What journaling can't do is help you see your blind spots. Cause by definition, right. You're going to, you see what you think. So, so how do I ask other people? How do I take assessments? How do I get um, quality input from others? How do I try new things, make predictions and say, I think it's going to feel this way. So, so there's a bunch of stuff you do. That's 
again, it's not just like, I hope I'm aware. I actually increase my self-awareness. Give us some examples. Give us some examples of those blind spots that you think of. Man. Okay. So I will tell you a couple of mine and uh, some of them are mildly embarrassing, maybe not mildly. Right. Um, I remember, gosh, Chantel, you knew me from before this time. So I, this was not you, but you could have been the person who told, told me this. Um, Cause you, you probably saw it. I remember in my early thirties, uh, a mentor sitting me down and saying, listen, Scott, we love your ideas. You're really brilliant and smart and fun. And we like your energy, but if you want executives, cause I work with executive level folks, if you want executives to take you seriously, you got to upgrade your wardrobe, man. And, and it's not like tiny nuances. Like I was a, I was a fall and I needed to wear summer colors or vice versa. It was like, no, you know what? You should probably get pants that are the right length. Like just stop buying them off the rack. You need, you need to get them slightly. You're, you're two inches too long the way it bunches at the bottom. You, you should probably get nicer undershirts. I mean, like it just, they look junky, man. Like the basic stuff of like, you should dress like a professional. Well, it didn't occur to me because I, I came out of a world that was almost um, artsy creative around like we, we elevated bad clothing. So asking other people, Hey, what can I do to get better? And so that was the first thing is just ask people. I mean, you can even know three friends. Let me get real tactical, right? Just say, Hey, what am I best at? And what, what could I probably, if I got better at would make me even more effective and just, Three people you trust and send an email. Um, there's a, if you want to get complicated, there's a thing like a 360 review where like 360, like a circle around you. And you ask your boss, you ask your peers, you ask maybe your customers or people you serve or, you know, and you get a full view and they all answer the same questions. And you're like, okay, so I show up really well to this group. I don't show up really well to this group or I'm missing something here. And so you can see not just how you're doing, but how you're doing by level. And so there's all sorts of, let me give you one last one. Just take a personality assessment. None of them are 100% accurate, but they all have some nugget of insight that has helped me over the years. So there's lots of tools that you can do to just start getting personal insight. Self-awareness is the beginning of the whole process. Awesome. Now what's number two? All right. So great. Now I'm aware a lot of people will do this and just be like, ah, so that's me. Too bad, so sad. Deal with it, world. Right? Like I'm bad at uh, I'm bad at fashion, or I'm bad with details. So well, right? Or I'm I'm really rigid, and I like everything controlled. I mean, great. So you know your limits. Well, then the next part is learning how to learn. Um, like spend time figuring out how to get good content in. Um, so this could be books, podcasts, uh, sessions like this. Right? Sign up for groups that can provide cool ideas for you on how other people do it, um, and then learn how to practice it, right? Put a put a practice plan on the, the calendar and be like, hey, I'm going to try this new thing out once this month or three once a week and I'm going to see how it goes. And so, so going from vague, I hope I get better to putting practice plans. And I, I would say the best metaphor for it is a lot like sports teams. Most of us kind of did a sports team growing up or something or maybe practicing a musical instrument, right? You don't just randomly do it. You give yourself set pieces to practice and say, okay, this is a skill. Can I break a big idea down into tactical skills? And then I'm just going to go practice those skills. Um, and you move from this vague learning, gee, I have ideas to like, no, that's uh, every great idea eventually degenerates into hard work. Like it doesn't matter how cool your ideas are. This was a lesson I did not enjoy because I'm an idea guy. Um, if you don't turn them into tactical things you practice, then, then it's just concepts. So 
uh, get self-aware and then learn how to learn. Um, so the next three are kind of applications of those two. Those are the fundamentals. Okay. So the next one I'd say is work on is a healthy inner life. A lot of people skip this and want to work to all sorts of tactical things. Um, how do I make more money and how do I build my team and how do I put more production? And, and they miss how much of that depends on you having a healthy inner life. That means like dealing with your emotions. I would say for me, that's a big part of my spiritual life. What's my purpose? Um, how do I deal with my insecurity and anxiety? Uh, I've run across a lot of um, high-performing people who are really just deeply anxious and they have found a... a profitable way to manage their anxiety, but they're actually not happy at all. And so, um, so healthy inner life, focus on self-awareness and learning all that. Then the next piece that I would focus on is decision-making. doesn't matter what career you're in. doesn't matter if you're a big boss or not. Our lives are a series of decisions and you can learn how to make better decisions. There's like patterns and rules and, and ideas. I'll give you a, a quick one. That's good. If you ever feel like you're making an either or like, man, I either do this or not, and I don't like either option, then you're not thinking broadly enough or creative. Enough. There's almost always more than two options. I can do it part way. I can bring in another person to do it. I can decide to do something totally different. When you're stuck in like, do it or don't do it, you're probably not thinking properly enough. And it's our human bias. It's not like you're, you're wrong, right? Welcome to humanity. But this bias, like either or, yes, no, do it, don't do it, like, well, or you could try it, or you could experiment, or or you could do a third thing instead. And so there's there's a lot, like, make yourself, just catch that. Oops, I'm doing an either or trap. I got to get out of it. Um, or, or another thing on decision making is um, test for mistakes, like plan how could this go wrong and plan for that in advance. Um, don't, don't assume it's all going to be great. Most of us don't put enough margin of error in our decision-making. We just plan for the perfect and it rarely ever happens that way. So, so there's all these little tactical things that don't require you to be smarter. It's a discipline. Um, and then the final piece is to build high trust relationships. I mean, at the end of the day, every one of this is supercharged. If you can do it with people that, you know, friends like you Chantel, who are, who are long-term that you can trust their character and their capability and that you can just live life together, bounce ideas off each other. Um, and so the better you get at developing richer relationships that can last the long term, um, the better everything else gets. So that that's the fundamentals, self-awareness, learn how to learn, healthy inner life, decision making and high trust relationships. Um, and I don't care what your field in, what I have found you do those, your life gets better. Um, my life has been significantly better every time I just um, nudge one of them higher, nudge one of them higher. They just feed off each other and uh, everything else seems to go well. So so yeah, now I put together a plan. I have an annual thing I do and I sit down and I look at all these categories and say, okay, how am I doing? What can I do to improve this one? And I don't I don't have time and energy, bluntly, to, to do all of them full intensity all the time. I have a job. I have a wife. I have four kids. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a lot of things that keep me busy. But but man, all those things assume I'm showing up with excellence. So I, I never do a year. I've been doing this for 15, 20 years now, where I just sit down and put a plan together. How am I going to improve next year? And these are the kind of prompting categories that get me thinking about my life. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Kanzel Realty. One of the other things we give you is revenue share, where you get five levels of money in your downline 
every time you attract an agent to the company. And guess what? The first three levels open up right away. So let's pretend like you're not a great recruiter, but you bring on a couple people who are heavy hitters. Guess what? You don't have to hire five or 10 agents to open up those tiers. You automatically get those. So that's what makes us very different. This is Kanzel. I love what you said about high trust, high cap capacity or high capability people mm. and developing those long-term friendships. So what are some things that you do? Because I think, you know, it's funny because me and my husband kind of go back and forth on this a lot because, <laughs> you know, when you're married, like it's hard to find because like, okay, if we want to go out on a Friday night or go out on a Saturday yeah. night and I'm very particular about who I want to spend time with. Mm -hmm. And so I talk about this all the time, but I talk about it like with circles yeah. of Saturn. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the Saturn and it's like, okay, you've got yeah, this yeah, these rings, right? second, yeah. these rings and going out and really building that those closest rings to you with people who you really, really trust, mm -hmm. but that you trust their character, but you also trust their capability. Yeah. Talk about how do you, what do you do to, to build those friendships and kind of some tests maybe that you do that go, Hey, this person might need to move. See, when I was younger, what I would do was I used to go, you're either in or you're out. Like you were right. in my inner circle or you're out. Totally. And I finally learned that I'm like, okay, you're not out. We just have to move you out into this circle and move you out, out, out. Yeah. And, um, but talk about what you're doing to build that inner circle with those high trust, high capability people. I, I just got to say, I love that. That's a brilliant example of the don't get stuck in the either or trap, right? Like there's a continuum here. You can just hang out with them a lot less, but that doesn't mean you have to you know, shun them for the rest of your life. I have done the same process um, and it's not fun and it's not comfortable, but it begins with the hard decision that I think you're, you're illustrating for us is like, uh, you need to be intentional about your friendships. And most of us are sitting around letting friendship happen to us. We we're our friendship is dominated by proximity, right? Who happens to be near me? That's who gets the most of my time. The coworkers right there, the neighbor on the street, the guy next to me in church. Yeah, that's my friends. Whereas planning to say, okay, what am I looking for in a friend? And then who do I know? And then being really intentional. And then the next part is sometimes not in a jerk way, but like going out of your way past maybe the easy option to find the people that are quality. I mean, you and I first met when I was living in Virginia Beach. Well, I don't live in Virginia Beach anymore. Um, and so it has taken more effort for us to stay in touch. We don't bump into each other at church or at the store or any of that stuff that we used to, right? Well, gosh, but when you find somebody like this, you're like, you know what? We should stay in touch. Um, it is worth the intentional time to set up a call or um, Zoom these days, it's really a lot easier. So the group of guys that I've built that are my kind of core high trust, my my inner ring, if you will, um, uh, two of them live nearby, two of them do not, they live out of state. And it's like, I, listen, they're, they're the best friends I've got. It doesn't matter that it's not easy. We find a time about once a year just to get our families together. Now, now, what you brought up was like the whole other, like it's, if this is hard to do, when you find somebody, pursue them, 
Pursue them whether it's convenient or not. If you've had one of those old friends, you're like, every time we pick up, man, it's just like the best. And we just needed, and we said this for years, me and one of my buddies, man, we just should do this more often. And then it was him, not me. He one time was like, well, why don't we do this more often? We keep saying that. Why don't we just put something on the dadgum calendar and just call each other and talk? And it was a little bit like, what? Bros don't just call each other and talk in the evening, right? Like, this is not how America, there's no football on, right? We, we can't even punch each other in the shoulder to remind ourselves we're cool, right? Like, what, are, we're going to really do this? It's like, ah, dude, these conversations are worth it. And so we just started a regular, like, it's time. It's a, it's every other Monday night. I'm calling you and we're going to, we're going to catch up on life and talk about our business and our plans and our spiritual life and our families and just be friends because I just couldn't have those conversations with anyone else at the time. Now, over time, as I travel and get to know people, I'm like, wait, I just had a call yesterday with a guy. I'm like, dude, that was not normal. We need to talk more often. Um, so getting getting intentional and pursuing them. Um, and then I will say, man, sometimes you just go have great experiences. Now, a couple where both people connect equally well, that's just twice as hard because I wish it were so that Every spouse of my best buddies clicks with my spouse, but it doesn't. They're not enemies, but it just, it doesn't click. And so that one is the hardest of all. And if you find one of those, man, I, we go way out of our way. There's one couple that my wife and I equally click with that lives out of state. And we're just like, we plan trips. We're like, it's just time for us to get together. There is zero natural connection if we just did our regular life, but man, the relationship's worth it. It's just worth it. So we go way out of our way to make those things happen. So yeah. yeah. And I think that one of the things that you also want to find is friends that you can really connect with, like in the dark room and in the dark Ooh, places. Good. You know, it's funny that my my son, we were taking pictures and he started asking me like my different jobs that I had when I was younger. Yeah. And I said, one of them was Olin Mills. I used to be a photographer at Olin Mills. Oh, I remember I those say, guys. Yes. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, move your head to the right, move your head to the left. I had the little dust feather, you know, feathers to get the kids' yep, attention. Yep. And now it's just so easy. We just pop out the cell phone. And if we want to take a picture, we just pull it out. But I I was explaining to him that back then, you know, I had to take the pictures and we had to go into a dark room and the dark room is for development. And I was, it was a really good time for me to kind of explain to him Mm. that, you know, there is a season for being in the dark room for all of us, but the dark room is for development. And if you aren't really careful and you take the film out too early and it exposes to light, you know, you might be in a place right now that there's no exposure, but, but that's where God's developing you. And if you get too much exposure too soon, you know, that kind of can ruin the the image. And so I think Great if you're metaphor. here on the call today, I just want to encourage you because I felt like, you know, if you are in the dark room, just say to yourself, that's where, you know, you're kind of God's developing your character. Yes. He's working some of those things out in you. And that's when you get that really, really great picture when you're done. So that's so good. And I, I'll encourage folks with, with two things real quick. If you're wrestling with, man, how do I get high trust folks? Um, Cause there've been seasons, dark room seasons in my life where like, I, I don't know that I have anybody like this. Um, I'll say two things. 
one true friend is often all it takes. Um, just having one person you can talk to can change everything. Um, and the second is this, I know a ton of people who are sitting around hoping somebody else will reach out and make the first move. If you want to accelerate a relationship and get deeper and more real and, and someone you who can go dark room with you, then, then you open up first. Um, people will respond to your authenticity. Uh, no, pick good people, right? Like don't just randomly grab a, a gal off the street and be like, let me just share my dark room stuff with you. Like slow down, we just met, right? But if you've got someone you're trying to get and you're waiting for them, don't wait for them. You open up first and say, can I just share a little of what's going on and just, and talk about your life and your journey at the next level, just, you know, one step deeper. And what I find is when you open up the vast majority of the time, they will respond. Whereas if I sit around hoping they're going to ones who are going to open up, um, they don't. Most people are sitting around waiting for somebody else to take the first step and they're glad to respond. So find one person you think has a shot, try to open up just a little bit with them and see if they don't respond. And sometimes that's all it takes. So good. Well, let's start talking about the five systems to implement so that your client gets the best, yeah. absolute best customer service that there is. Well, let me, can I stick, up, stick something yeah. on the screen here? Okay. Yeah. So let me, and I got a If you're listening to this, you can also watch it on our YouTube channel. Go Perfect. ahead. So, um, and I'll describe this, but this is a fun little diagram we use with some of our clients. So in my consulting company, I had the chance to work with a lot of really big, successful brands. I was a senior leader at Chick-fil-A, worked with folks at Disney and Procter and & Gamble and a whole bunch of companies that are just top in their space and noticed this pattern. So this is uh, one of the things we've, it's an engine, it's concept of like, you don't have to cross your fingers and hope that somehow people have a good experience, you can just set up repeatable systems and make it happen. And the first piece of the engine is customer insight. Like, do you really know your customers? And we find most companies we work with have good customer data, not customer insight. They know facts about them, but they don't know why, right? They they don't know the difference. Uh, give you a Chick-fil-A example, right? We can talk about Soccer Mom Sally and Businessman Bill. They both show up on Monday. They both order the number one meal but she's actually there for a very different reason. She's got two kids, one in a stroller. She wants a little space for them to play, catch her breath, have a little oasis moment. Well, he he actually doesn't want, she wants to chat and like moms can often cluster near the, um, the playground area. Well, businessman Bills probably doesn't want the little plastic cartoon character placemat that they put in front of kids. He wants a little space to be alone and catch his breath in the middle of a busy day. And they're both buying the same meal. So if you don't know the difference, you're like, well, you know, hey, one person comes and buys a meal. One person doesn't uh, buys the same meal. They must both want the same experience. Well, why are they really coming to you? Why did they pick you, not their competitors? What is which of your things, your features do they love most? Um, which of them are they like, whatever, that wasn't important to me. Do you do you understand? And when you understand, it allows you to do small things to have big impact. And so most people skip that step and just guess. They cross their fingers, throw a bunch of things at the wall and hope the customers love it. Or you could like ask them and spend some time just like go see them on the site, send them surveys, some basic stuff. There's fancy stuff, but there's some basic stuff that people can do too. So get the insight. And then you put them through this three-gear process at the heart. 
And the first piece is not usually what most people expect, right? I'm the it's customer experience. We're going to talk about parties and handwritten notes, right? Um, that's fun. We'll get to that. But man, I just, I've learned the hard way. It doesn't matter what else you do in terms of marketing and special touches and personal relationships and all that's fun, but none of it matters if you don't show up with excellence in your operations. Operational excellence is the first and biggest gear in this whole process. Because most of us, when we think about excellence, we think about like how fancy or skilled can we be? What's our competitive differentiator? All that's cool. But really what people are asking is not how fancy are you or how smart are you? The question your customers are asking is, can I trust you? And trust is about showing up with consistent excellence. Can I count on you to do the fundamentals well? And so getting really, really consistent in the basics, that's a fundamental. When you build that trust, then you earn the right to start building a personal relationship. You can do personalized service where you move past a generic standard to, I see you. I see you, Heather. I see you, Chantel, right? I see you, Jim. These are people that I actually, hey, I'm not talking to a crowd. I'm talking to you now about your situation, your stuff. I'm sending small touches, little notes like, hey, how was your vacation? Hey, how's your son doing? Uh, Hold on. So let me let me back up because I want to make sure that so look, I want to tie it into real estate. So for operational excellence, I would say like for me, one of the things that I would say is when I was working with buyers and sellers originally, I knew the contract backwards forwards and inside out. I literally had it memorized. Like you could not get anything by me because I knew the contract so well. Someone would try to say something and it'd be like, absolutely not. Section 5B says blah, blah, blah. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So Mm -hmm. just making sure like you I'm going to fight for my client. You're yes. not going to get one thing past me. Nice try. Are, yes. Is that what you're kind of talking yes. about? Okay, the so know, know the legal boundaries. Know, know your partners. This is also good stuff like um, like when you, so we're showing houses, right? Let's, let's play this in the real estate world, right? You, you want to plan a trip that doesn't zigzag them all over town that actually, if you, they tell you, I want to see X and then you don't show them X, right? You, you show them something that's totally off the, they're like, we didn't want that style. Why you, that I know enough to know, I'm not a real estate expert, but I've, I've worked with some folks in this space enough. Like you obviously want to show them some things that, Hey, I know you said this, but let let me show you a little variation. But if you go way off the map, it's like one of your fundamentals is you listen to your clients and your clients feel heard. Here's the range. Here's the region. Here's the kind of features we want. And if you if they ask for a house with pool and you show them no houses with pools, at some point, this is one of the fundamentals. I don't care how nice you are. I don't care how fun your parties are. We asked for a particular service. You didn't know your contract. Or well, let's get really basic, Chantel. Show up on time right? Like, I don't care how cool your house is and how lovely your conversation is. If you say we're going to show something and we're going to be there at 11 and you roll in at 11.05, they start losing a little trust. Not because it's that five minutes wrecked their life, but because you made a statement, you didn't follow through on the statement. The fundamentals of being on time, knowing your contract, actually remembering the stuff they wanted and getting them viable houses. This process, right? Having a good mortgage broker that actually replies. Now, I'll say this one, if we're going to riff on this a second. One of the challenges is in real estate, you work with a lot of partners that aren't directly under your control in many cases. And so if you've got a lender, 
you better make sure your lender shows up consistently with excellence because your brand is now tied to their brand. And so you got a good buddy, but they're inconsistent. Here's, here's the hard truth here. Being inconsistently excellent will earn you the same amount of trust as being consistently bad. Sometimes excellence doesn't do you any good here. You got to nail it on these fundamentals um, or it doesn't count. So one of your partners drops it. Well, it wasn't me. It was my partner. Hey, that's the whole experience that that dings your brand as well. So yeah, the whole okay, and then transactional personalized process. service. Okay. So these are small touches. Personalized service is using things like we talk about high touch and high tech. High touch is like the, the Ritz Carlton elevated service, right? This is Chick-fil-A saying my pleasure, right? It's just little language touches, or you don't just say dear ma'am or sir, you use their name, um, or you send a little note, hey, just thinking of you. Uh, this is maybe as a little personal touch after that, they've already moved in, the house is done, the deal's closed, and you say, hey, it's been a few weeks, I just check in, you know, uh, Debbie, how's it going in your new house? You use their name and you do personal note. So personal touches, and then high tech, Man, um, CRM systems. I can't tell you how many companies just aren't even doing the basics. Like use the tools. There's free tools. Um, texting services that will follow up with you. Um, all sorts of reminder softwares and tools that help you remember to keep in touch with your folks. I mean, um, if you're working with business folks, those of you who are in different categories, like you know, commercial, use Google news alerts and put the companies that you want to work with in there. And anytime they pop up in the news, you get a note and you can send people in the company, hey, congratulations on your new venture, looking for new office space. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that you can do from, from tools like CRM stuff to text services that you can load up and it will text personal messages to people for you. So you don't have to remember, you can preload it once a month and it'll send you stuff. Again, to Google News Alerts, but high touch, do, do personal notes, do personal reach outs, and then pair that with some high tech tools. You don't have to do this a lot. My experience once or twice a year, make a personal connection and you'll find that people will say, oh man, they remember me. Because the question they're asking here is, do you see me as a real person? Do you really care about me or am I just a transaction to you? So, so that's it. What and then I'll get the final memorable. piece and I'll wrap up here. Yeah. This memorable moments is how do you create an opportunity where they get to feel like they are really a hero? How do you create what we would call a story worthy experience where they get to say, hey, I'm a part of something bigger. So maybe it's a cool cause you're a part of and you invite your people to say, hey, working with us is helping this cause. Or maybe you go into their world and you literally like throw a party for them. Quick real estate example is the move-in moment is an epic life moment for them. And so if you can do something to help their move-in, probably not move-in day, that's an exhausting, frustrating, but like the weekend after, you can find that out and you actually help them throw a housewarming party and provide gifts and tools. And it's this pre-planned moment. It's not a generic thing, it's, but you know, hey, it's, this is our move-in party and it's a part of our package. And they invite all their friends over to see their housewarming party and all this cool stuff. And guess what? It's hosted by you and you make it, you create this story worthy moment of look at all the cool stuff. And then you show pictures maybe of like, here was the house journey. And then we picked this one and here's the move in day. We took pictures of that day and you make a little shareable story that they can pass around and they kind of capture this milestone moment in their life. Well, here's what we find. If you do everything but this last piece, they love you. 
but they're not telling anybody about you. So if you do all that and they love you, then you should do this last step and create a little story that's easy for them to share. And then they will post the smack out of that sucker. They'll tell everybody they know, check this out. Here's the video of our move in. Here's the come to the party. Um, And you create that for them. They'll tell everybody about you. If you do it all and hope they remember to tell you on their own, they won't tell anybody about you. Um, They just get too busy. So create a story opportunity for them. And that becomes a huge part of the marketing budget. Uh, And what do you know? Referrals, they are and always will be the most powerful way to grow your business. Um, So create a memorable moment. So that's the process. Get to know them, do operational excellence, make a personal connection, and then create a little story-worthy moment at the end. And then wrapping around that is just you and your team. You don't have to do this alone. You can build a healthy leadership team to run it. And that's not a separate tactic. It's just one of those things we found is necessary for excellence. Um, without it, it gets a little bit too much for one person. To, even if that's just a, a friend that you can swap notes with. When I was getting started uh, as an entrepreneur, I've got a whole team now, full-time staff and all that. But back in the day when I was just getting started, it was just me. I had a buddy who was doing similar work and we traded coaching calls with each other. And I said, listen, once a month, I'll sit with you and we'll work on your business and I'll encourage you and help you with your task. And then once a month, you'll sit with me and work on my business and help me grow. Um, but find somebody to help you think through this and carry that load together. So that's that's awesome. the engine. And what I find is you do this and just the normal output is a raving fan. It, it's just what happens. It's not magic. It's not a mystery. It's just an engine. I love that. Well, thank you, Scott, for being with us. Please show some love to Scott for giving all of his insight and wonderful ideas. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review so we can get this out to more agents. And tune in next week for another power-packed episode. This is the Millionaire Real Estate Podcast.